Welcome to an Upside Down World. The podcast from T-Fund Australia with your hosts, Joel McCarrow and Grace Naum. Friends, welcome back to another episode of an Upside Down World podcast. Week, week five. We're in week five. How time flies. Yes, we're, we're over halfway through now. That's pretty exciting. I know. And you guys are like, surely not. Surely. surely not. Hopefully Lent can just go forever because we love this podcast. <laughs> yes, that's right. I think everyone's saying that. I heard it on the grapevine. I hear it. <laughs> um, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Darawal Nation, which is now known as where I'm living, the Sutherland Shire. And I am down in Melbourne, or Nam, as the Indigenous people once called it. Um, and I want to pay my respects to the to those traditional owners, custodians of the land, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and recognise that this is land never ceded. Um, and may we continue to learn how to listen, listen, mm. listen well. We're going to be listening again today uh, as we get into this episode. Um, Grace and I are going to be chatting uh, with our wonderful, um, our wonderful interview, interviewee. Is that what we call them these days? Yes. Sure. Yeah, mm. that's what we call them. Mm. Um, we're going to be talking through Matthew 5 verse 7. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Um, first up, though, we're going to hear from Grace uh, sharing one of the poems that we've been writing. This one is the fifth, uh, fifth one in the Lent card series. Um, that's the story of Vimal uh, within India and how her life was impacted by the work of Sahasi, uh, which is a community development organisation um, that Tifan supports over there. Let's listen to uh, this reflection um, on Vimal's life. In a city in Mumbai, sari around her shoulders, bindi on her forehead, Vimal sits at her flour mill, turning wheat into roti, the kernels of the earth into chapati, her hands sticky and sifting, her back aching, bread making, taking the crops, cleaning, grinding, kneading. She's making food to feed the community. In her society, women, the ones ground down, separated from the start, taken from the soil and disregarded as the shell, the empty husk and not the seed of life, the worth of her mind blindly cast aside. But Vimal's hands are milling the seeds she has sown and reaped. Her house demolished in a storm, in the poorest of places, she, the bravest, rescues her child from the destruction. She works from nothing to rebuild everything for her family. Her husband's addiction, another storm to break it apart. In this world where women are overlooked and shadowed, she takes alone and starts a business, the very giving of herself to make safety for her family and to stand up for other women to do the same. She mills the flour to break the bread, but more than this, she creates communities of empowered women asking questions about the way society is structured, about where women find themselves in this architecture, about how women can begin to rebuild a culture from the strength of their foundations, to the shelter of their love, to the balcony of their future vision. 
the reality is that Vimal's husband is continually letting her down. He is bound to his addiction. Round and round, it's ground him down without even realizing the effect. And she is scared this will not change. She is scared he will not change. But her courage her sahasi is found in her community, sitting with her sisters, eating roti on the balcony of the building they have built out of their bravery. She tells the women about her family, the addiction of her husband, the gritty reality of her story, the bread they are feeding from is honesty and empathy and the sheer determination of women who are tired but refuse to be ground down any longer. May we refuse to let them be ground down any longer. May we sit amongst these women, be brave enough to listen to their stories held in weathered hands. There is a warmth and resilience in her eyes. She owns her story and the seed of life she has become. Her hands have made a bread that is far more nourishing than a small flour mill could ever make. Let us break bread with this woman. 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 Again, Grace, I'm just loving listen, getting to uh, listen to these poems that we've been writing. Mm. Um, what a what an honouring, uh, what an honouring of someone's story and someone's life that we get to do this. And these mm. lives, like they've just gone through such um, harsh realities uh, that it's so important for us to be able to reflect and think on and how that, what we can learn from them and how we yeah. can listen well to them. Yes. The importance of just being exposed to a life that is so different to our own and to suffering that is so different yeah. to our own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we had better get into our interview for today. Uh, we're going to be chatting today with an incredible man. Uh, his name is Nebiu Hayili. He's from Ethiopia. He grew up uh, within Ethiopia in Addis Ababa, uh, born in 1982, the same year as myself, um, and he's done a whole heap of study and master's degrees coming from uh, living in, uh, as he describes it, in, in poverty uh, during his childhood years to now studying, doing degrees, working his life uh, to support the community that he grew up within. Uh, he's run a whole bunch of different development organisations, been part of lots of different stuff. He was the development director of Ethiopian Addis Kadan Baptist Church Welfare and Development Association. Uh, and these days he's the director for a Lilta 
Center Women at Risk, uh, which is one of T-Fund's partner programs. Um, he became the manager uh, in 2000, a program manager in 2015 and then the director in 2018. Uh, he's married to Sergut Regassa uh, for the last 11 years and is the proud father of three young sons. Um, this is Nebi, really Nebi, Nebi as we call him, uh, as his friends call him. Uh, he says uh, he shares some really beautiful stories um, in this interview. So please uh, have a listen and and open your heart to uh, the life of this great man. It's wonderful to be sitting here, uh, Grace and I, in Australia with Nebi overseas in Africa, in Ethiopia. Are you in Addis Ababa? Yes, I am in Addis. Uh, wonderful. Well, it is, it's great to have you here to chat on uh, an Upside Down World podcast. Um, now, I need to start with a very important question because I realised through my research that you're born in the same year as I am, 1982. <laughs> what uh, what's your birthday? I wonder how close we are. What's your birthday in 1982? Yes, May, May 28th. May 28th. Well, you're a little bit older than I'm September 26th. So. <laughs> oh. Almost twins. So I, am the, I am the senior. <laughs> the senior by a few months. That's great. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Nebby, do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about yourself? Possibly a few people might have heard about you who are listening through Tier Fund, but maybe do you want to share just a little bit about yourself? All right. So thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I mean, it's a a great honour for me to be part of this uh, interview again. Mm -hmm. So I am am Nabiyu Hayali and uh, I am married uh, to a very beautiful woman woman called Sirgut, and I have three boys. Uh, the, the first born is, is going to be 11 next month. Wow. So, yeah, 11, 9, and 7. Uh, so you can imagine how, how, how busy the house <laughs> with <laughs> the boys, three boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I grew up in um, Addis Ababa, and um, I live also here. And uh, I am working here at Delta Women at Risk as the general director of this ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is going to be, yeah, it's been six years since I've joined uh, Delta Women at Risk. Before that, I worked in several uh, organizations, including churches and international NGOs like Samaritan's Purse uh, uh, organization. And um, what was what was life growing like growing up in in Ethiopia? Yeah, so <clears throat> I grew up on, with my grandfather, the, the parents of my mom, uh, in most of uh, my early ages. I, I lost my mom uh, when I was five years old, and wow. um, yeah, and I was also born out of wedlock. So uh, I just met my dad very recently like some uh, some years ago so most of uh, my childhood uh, i spent with my grandparents especially with my grandfather because my grandmom also uh, passed away when i was uh, 10. <clears throat> so it was usually my i'm uh, i grew up with my granddad 
and he was uh, very old and uh, on his retirement and we are also living in a very like destitute condition uh, due to p- poverty uh, so when when i was uh, i think 13 13 years old uh, i got the opportunity to join um, a compassion uh, international project here in addis uh, are you guys familiar with compassion international yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's a child sponsorship program in, uh, that's being run in local churches here in Ethiopia. So mm-hmm. there is this uh, an evangelical Baptist church uh, in my area. So when Compassion Project came into that church, I was one of the kids that were chosen wow. to be part of that project. Wow. So, I mean, jo- joining that project was very uh, critical part of my life it has uh, it has played a great role for the person who i am today that's amazing, that's amazing. wow yeah. growing up in in poverty in ethiopia like ethiopia has faced so many food famines and shortages and all that kind of thing was that a, a real present reality for you in your life like experiencing those famines and things like that um <clears throat> I mean, I can't say that it's like the famine is very common here in the city since I am in Addis, but we've been getting it uh, like from the news that in most of the region, especially the dry areas have been hit by famine, droughts, uh, shortage of rain, several times of uh, the year, now and then. But But here in Addis Ababa, it's like the urban poverty, which is... uh, getting the basic uh, necessities like food, uh, clean water, uh, proper housing has been an issue. And that has been also part of my my life. Um, During this Lenten period, um, as you know, we're focusing on the Beatitudes. What do the Mm. Beatitudes mean to you, Nabi? I think for me, they... uh, they represent certain characteristics or attitudes that I or we as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, need to have as we live in this in this world, in this earth. The characteristics that others would identify me as the son of God, as a child of God. So whenever they see those characteristics being demonstrated, in my life, in in not at a moment or in some events, but in my life, in my day-to-day life, then that would help them to know that I am a child of God. Mm-hmm. So the, the beatitudes for me is those characteristics that describe me as a believer, as a child of God, uh, are the beatitudes. That's how I view them. <laughs> Almost like um, identifying marks, like tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. yes. That's great. And the, the tattoo we're talking about today, the identifying mark is um is mercy. Um mm-hmm. the the which verse is it? Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is um what is mercy and being merciful? What does that look like for you, Nebi? It's 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 somehow kind of an opportunity, but again also 
a challenge. It, it's not it's not an easy thing, mm. uh, but if you manage to practice it, to exercise it by the help of God, then it's a great opportunity to enjoy God's blessing in your life. Mm. So being merciful for me is uh, being compassionate mm. uh, and being a forgiving person mm. and uh, being also a helpful hand to others and also to myself. Mm, wow. You speak of um, being forgiving. It can be so hard. Um, why Why is it so hard, Nebby? <laughs> uh, I think it's because of our human nature. I mean, the, the, flesh, the flesh part has, uh, I mean, <laughs> causing lots of mess. Mm. So that we do, we don't enjoy this beatitude a lot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And I feel like in the moment you're just mm. yeah, the desire to forgive just isn't there. But as you say, it does bring freedom. I think these yeah. the the beatitudes allow us. It's, a, it's like a twist. Um, mm. You don't expect to find freedom. It's almost like you think you'll be bound by the results, but, but there is a freedom in that. Have, yeah. have, you, have you found that in your own experience of forgiveness? Yes. Yeah. It's like it was very personal for me. As I told you, uh, I grew up with my grandparents, uh, with my granddad. Mm. And and uh, I just met uh, my dad, my biological father, uh, just a few years ago. Wow. So during that, my early age, there was this desire to know uh, my father, especially knowing that he's, he's, he's living abroad with a very good economical status. And looking at my life and how I was struggling to live, uh, there was that desire in me that if he was around, if he was willing, uh, he could have changed my life. And mm. He could have been a great help for me and my, my family. And I grew up with that mindset and with that attitude of some of bitterness. Mm. Understandably. And then, yeah. And, and then, uh, so like while... I, I grew up, I came to know uh, Christ as my personal savior. And there was a certain moment, especially when I was, I think in my early 20s, uh, I think it's the Holy Spirit that really helped me to ponder about it. And God presented himself as a father and he confronted me with through his, his spirit that, okay, so since I am your father, what did you miss? Is there anything that you are lacking because I am your father? And he brought me all the people that has been played uh, the father figure in my life wow. through the church, through my community. And there are indeed people, uh, men of God, who are very loving towards me, who have been playing the, father, the father's role in my life. And he, he literally showed me 
the gaps he filled, I mean, God filled through his miraculous way. And, and then he confronted me. So what are those things that you are missing? Wow. Since I've, since I've been your dad. Mm. And then, and then I was confronted. So why am, why am I kind of having that bitter feeling towards my dad? Mm. And, and then, yeah, I just confessed because, uh, before in, at that moment that just helped me to forgive him. You know, when I did that, I, ever, I didn't even meet him. We, we are not even talking through uh, social media or through anything. We, but, but immediately after that session where I managed to forgive him even before getting the request from him, then all the things become like revealing themselves like so there was an incident whereby I, I was able to know where he is where his families are uh, and then his younger brother came to Addis and he looked for me so it it's all up and, and then I got married and I just posted uh, my my wedding picture on Facebook then I found a comment under that picture that then it was my dad and wow. and he just texted that I supposed to be standing at the right of your side in this wow. picture and so if I wasn't able to forgive him before that getting such kind of message would annoy me yeah yeah uh, and it would have been very hurtful Mm. Yeah. But, but I was at ease at that moment. So we just so when 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 we started talking, I was at ease at all. And he he tried to tell me that okay, there are so many reasons that he couldn't uh, he couldn't manage to be in touch with me. But uh, like I was I was free, so I just told him okay, that's just past, and I'm kind of new and. Actually, I was I started thinking about him, and maybe he might have another family. So, for me, coming into that picture might cause lots of mess in the family. So he might be not in a position to look for me. You know, all those kind of positive attitude came to my mind after that mm. forgiveness event. So I think the fact that I manage to forgive him helped us to develop a very close relationship afterwards so whenever we met i mean it's kind of it's as if we we've been in touch since my childhood so i have that feeling a very uh, positive feeling in me uh, so that's the fruit of being merciful i think wow. that's the blessing that god has prom promised in that beatitude. That's incredible, Nebi. Thank you so much for sharing such a personal story. And it beautifully shows, it beautifully, um, shows this beatitude, like, so amazingly um, Wow, I'm speechless from that. It's really absolutely. I like it. Just feels like yeah, I mean, just 
the amount of the amount of hours <laughs> in a childhood um, wondering where mm. your father was and to embrace forgiveness like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it, it sounds humanly impossible, but because of Jesus, because of the father um, that God has been to you, it's it's made it possible for you, and it's completely admirable. Yeah. It's so encouraging. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for that. Um, so, yeah. So whenever like we practice forgiveness and merciful, uh, I think the first beneficiary of that action is us. That's also what I learned from that experience. Uh, from that experience, so it's not like the person who's received at the receiving end who's enjoy the freedom. Not only that person, but the person like I myself would enjoy that freedom that you mentioned, Grace. Mm. That easiness of life, that satisfaction that you can't. Uh, get it easily so i think th those are the blessings i uh, that god has promised mm. i really love that idea that it's not just um it's not just the person who you're forgiving that gets blessed but actually because i think so often when someone does wrong to us um we increase the the badness of what has been done mm. because we we dwell on it and we become so bittered, uh, so embittered by it and and bitterness just takes a hold in our lives. And so to release someone is, it's about releasing them, but it's, it really is just as you said, it is also about releasing ourselves and that um, maybe that is the, when it says um, the those who are merciful will be shown mercy, that's, that's the mercy, it's the freedom we receive ourselves. Coming out of that story and now the work that you do, um, so uh, the work you do with Elilta, um, mm -hmm. what, does, what does mercy look like um, and compassion? Like, so I, I've heard that um, I, kind of a definition of mercy is, is actively compassionate. Um, mm -hmm. And if compassion is the idea of um, someone translated compassion as to suffer with like it's not just mm -hmm. having pity on someone but it's being so empathetic that you suffer with them mm -hmm. um, I'm just wondering maybe you can tell us a little bit about um, Elilta and your work there and how mercy and or a story or something of, of your work with with the women of Elilta um, what that yeah. looks like to that yeah in our context, as we work with these women who have been uh, in um, prostitution, uh, these these women have been like suffered from lack of mercy, lack of compassion, um, lack of love and acceptance mm. uh, from the community, from the men that have been abusing them from their neighborhood because of the lifestyle they are in. So coming to Iwar, coming to Elta, uh, 
they they found another like a new environment for them because we 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 provide all our services in the context of relationship we value relationship and we do everything in relationship mm. so like we are very relational our leadership is very relational our services are also very relational so the program we actually say that our program our rehabilitation services start when we go to the streets during night times even before the women start coming to our centers so just to give you the context uh, mm-hmm. of our rehabilitation program we don't expect them to the women to come uh, knocking our door for support it is us who are going looking after them wow. on the streets during night time in those red light uh, red light districts of Addis and the other city that we are uh, we have centers so we go there so we say just hey how are you so we try to uh, develop a very informal relationship we don't tell them that we are we are there from uh, a local NGO from a ministry we are just tell them hey how are you how are how are things is it not cold you know all those things so mm-hmm. the first the first few meetings these women are very suspicious especially if it is us i mean the men who are trying to uh, establish that relationship you know the men have been coming to get certain service from them mm-hmm. but for us we are just there greeting them so they are suspicious but we keep going on and on until they start somehow opening for us open up for us so even when they start opening up we don't tell them that we are from enijo again so we just tell them that okay how is work how long have you been in this life so mm-hmm. and we we just tell then tell them okay we know that it is your working hour and we don't want to keep you busy but if you want to learn more about us why we are coming here every night looking after you then you can call us and you can come to our center and we can have some time uh, to share mm. so that's the way we try to establish the friendship the relationship and then mm. when they come we are also trying to demonstrate the love of god through our relationship so the fact that like like a person like me who's the director of this organization uh meeting that lady in our center and i mean taking few minutes just to greet her mm. to ask about her uh, her boy or her girl uh t- asking her about life that is something unique for her that's mm. something that she lacks in her uh, particular community or in her neighborhood she is kind of uh marginalized discriminated because she is a prostitute you know yeah. so the men in her community might not greet her even because if other member of the the neighborhood look at that guy talking to her it might be considered that he's kind of having an affair with her so it's better for the man to avoid her mm. and for the, and for the lady in the neighborhood to greet that lady, that woman who's in that work is also another implication that she might be kind of in a friendship with a prostitute means she might be following the same route so 
even the, the women in the community would avoid those these girls. Wow. So when they come to our center, they are kind of experiencing a very different approach. Mm. Very, yeah, accepting and forgiving. And we are kind of greeting each other, hugging each other with these women. So that shows compassion. That mm. shows love. Those are the things that they missed. And now they are getting it from unexpected person, like from a director, from someone who's working in an NGO. Wow. who's considered as um, a scholar or a high-profile person. So that means a lot for them, even without getting the other supports like the financial support, the economical support, just by the fact that we are greeting them, we are considering them as, as people, as mm-hmm. when we help with them. So that changes the attitude in, their, in these women. And that raise question in these women, why these guys are treating me like this? And that give us the opportunity for us to share about the love of God again. Wow. I'm just wondering if you have maybe a, um, a story of, if you want to share a story of, of one of the women that you've worked with or one of the girls that you've worked with, um, that that might again kind of speak to this idea of compassion and and mercy and and things like that. Um, mm. Yeah, I, may, I don't know if there's a story that comes to mind that you want to share. I, I think um, one of the women, the women who joined our program, maybe t- two years ago. So she passed through. Um, yeah, she joined our program, and at the start of the, pro, the third month of the program, uh, of our rehabilitation program, we take these women to like out of Addis for a week. We call it a retreat session. And for five days, we, we, we take them out of Addis and we camp somewhere. Uh, and we provide uh, them teachings and therapies. And one of the therapies is about forgiveness and we we help them to think all those people that have contributed a lot for their life to be like this so we 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 just tell them to go around in the compound of that camp the retreat center to gather stones uh, of different size Wow. So they, they would bring those stones and we help them. Okay. So the big ones, you assign them to the people who, who have played a positive role in your life. Then they would, they would select those ones. And the small ones rep- represent uh, those people who have uh, played a negative role uh, in one way or the other or the person who you are today. So some of these people are their, their parents, their neighbors, their relatives, the, their husbands, and their boyfriends. And we give them the opportunity to reflect on that. So they, 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 
they could pick a stone and describe, okay, this, this stone represented so-and-so. He did this and this to me. And it's because of his action that I am in prostitution today. Wow. So, so this woman, part of uh, our program, I think two years ago, so mm -hmm. she was planning to kill a certain person. And she's wow. looking for the good opportunity to implement her plan. Because that guy, he was her, her boyfriend. Uh, and he kind of manipulated her from her family because she was in love with, with him. But then he abused her. And when she was pregnant, he left her. And he left her to suffer with her baby. And because she couldn't uh, feed her son and herself, she took prostitution as an option to earn money. Mm. And she, she suffered a lot because of the abuse, because of the addiction. And she had that grudge in herself. Mm. And she was, she was really planning seriously to kill him. But as a result of the, the therapies, as a result of the counseling services that we are providing, as a result of the Bible teachings that we are providing to her, she managed to forgive him. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. She was kind of crying during mm -hmm. that session. She was crying because she felt God's presence. And she was also crying because, I mean, she was not at ease that now, because she has forgiven him, that guy is leaving without paying the price. So mm -hmm. there is that pain herself which made her crying. And then it's kind of a mixed uh, feeling. She, she has enjoyed the freedom that she's <laughs> feeling at that moment. But again, it wasn't easy for her to leave him without paying the price. Yeah. yeah. But, but our counselors helped us to deal with it. And so she told us that, okay, she came back from the retreat center and she managed to meet him. And she, she just told him that even if you, you haven't requested me, I managed to forgive you. Wow. So, uh, so I've forgiven you. So, I mean, the, um, he wasn't that much excited about it because he didn't know what that means to her. He didn't yeah. know all, all the harm and the pain that he caused in her life. So wow. telling him that she has forgiven him, it doesn't mean a lot for, for him. Yeah. Uh, but, but for her, it means a lot. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. What an incredible program to, to lead to that kind of forgiveness. I think like when you're, when you're forgiving someone, you at least want them to know the depth of what you are forgiving and yeah. for him to kind of indicate that he doesn't know, he doesn't realize yeah. and for her to still like, be okay with that like ah, that yeah that's incredible I, I really like the idea um I really like the practice that you bring in in terms of finding the stones mm -hmm. and and kind of this symbolic um 
practice of using stones as a as a thing to to name some of these realities and and forgive people and i'm wondering what um like part of kind of this lent series is has been talking about lent as kind of the practices and the things that we do um to live out these characteristics um mm-hmm. that um, that that are within the beatitudes and i wonder for you if there's what are some kind of practical things that we can do or practices or things that might help in terms of helping us to live these merciful and, and compassionate lives? Um, yeah, what are practices that help you to do that? I think the fact that um, realizing or thinking or meditating uh, about the mercies of God that I personally received from him mm. uh, helps me uh, to, to apply the same thing to others. That has really helped me to exercise forgiveness. You know, mm. I know myself, I know all the bad things that I'm done. I know all the wrongings that I've, mm. I've committed in my life. Mm. against the holy God and he he has forgiven me Mm. Mm. Uh, and he has forgiven me without needing anything from me Mm. yeah he's not showing mercy because he would like to get something out of me just just forgive me because he loved me Mm. So thinking about God's mercifulness, mm-hmm. thinking about his forgiveness would help uh, to would help us to, to practice the same thing towards other and sometimes also towards myself. So mm-hmm. if the Holy One has, has forgiven me, who am I to like reserve my forgiveness? Uh, towards my brother or sister. Mm. Yeah. So thinking about his forgiveness, his kindness, how compassionate he is, all the the mercies that I have received from him, all the forgiveness that I have got from him, uh, thinking about and meditating about these things would help to practice forgiveness others towards others. Mm. I think sometimes I find it, even more difficult to forgive myself. Do you think that's like ego? Do you think it's um, a kind of standard that I um, don't want to live um, below? Do you think that's that's what where that comes from, Nebi? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. I mean, sometimes it is also to forgive myself. You can you can excuse yourself. Yeah. Let's say I might expect someone, a friend of mine, to bring me a present during Christmas. That, that friend of mine might get so many things in his life and he just forgot without knowing that bringing uh, the present to me. Then I, I might develop a grudge in me, feel very bad towards him. Then how, how on earth can he forget my presence, my, my, my present 
during mm-hmm. this time. He, he, you know, I can I can give so many justification that he could, he could have remembered this thing when I called him. He could have remembered to, uh, when he passed by this shop. You know, all the agreement uh, the arguments might be prepared in my in my mind, and would just keep on kind of resenting and developing that uh, negative feeling about him. Mm. But then let's turn the story and let's put myself as that person who forgot to to give him a present for Christmas. But because I have a meeting with you guys now, uh, I was somewhat busy. Uh, you know, I can easily forgive myself mm. and give so many excuse, excuses. And, mm. you know, it's just one time that I, I didn't bring a present for him. So in this case, it's somehow easy for me to forgive myself. But mm. the same, same mistake, I can exaggerate it and make it a big deal. Uh, you know, but, but again, as you said, I agree with you, Grace, that sometimes it's very difficult to forgive myself. Mm. And, in, and in that scenario, the, the ego is there. But again, I think we should not be forgetful of our enemy who keeps accusing us. Mm. Yeah. We, who, who, who keeps telling, telling us that we are not in a position, we, we don't deserve God's forgiveness, not mm. alone our forgiveness. You know, the enemy, that's what he does. He usually brings so many weird and wicked thoughts in our mind that we don't deserve forgiveness to ourselves. Mm. And he, he could have bring so many like uh, justifications to our thought that okay, you did this, this, this thing last time. And while you are being expected to improve, now you are doing the same thing again. You know, all those thoughts would, would yeah. come up to our mind, mind and it might mm-hmm. complicated issues for us and we might find it difficult to forgive ourselves, mm-hmm. which is the aim, the goal of our enemy again. Yes. What a beautiful example, like the mercy of God is in terms of, of then the mercy to show ourselves like like what you were saying like mercy doesn't have strings attached it doesn't um which is a, a phrase in our in our culture that's there's no agenda there's no if you if you change mm. then uh, then I'll show you love if you uh, if mm. you do this then you'll get this it's just flat out mercy it's just total forgiveness that god gives yes, us and so then how what a what a beautiful gift to give to ourselves like to say yeah uh, i know that i know these faults and this and this shame and this guilt this regret but to be Mm. able to say flat out with no agenda it's gone like yeah even that's such a beautiful it's such a i mean it's the heart of the gospel and the heart of the kingdom and the heart of everything we're on about as christians isn't it what a beautiful beautiful message Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. This is such a um a deep dive into mercy. Like I just I didn't expect to be opened up to a level of freedom 
that that should be impossible as as humans both mm-hmm. in forgiving mm-hmm. others but also in forgiving ourselves mm-hmm. um, yeah thank you so much nebby yeah thank you thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and sharing like your personal story and stories of from your ministry it's beautiful to hear it's really lovely yeah the story so forgettable Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank God. All right, thank, thank you so much. Yeah, please. Dear God, my loving Father, I'm so grateful for your mercy that you have poured upon me. While I am deserving your judgment and wrath as a result of my sins, you showed me mercy and love covering me with the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ. I'm so grateful, Lord. God, I ask for your grace so that I can extend mercy and compassion to all those whom I come in contact. Lord, it's my desire and prayer, dear Lord, that being merciful and compassionate be my identification marks. In Jesus' name I pray. Gosh, it is such an honor to get to talk to these amazing, incredible people. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of An Upside Down World. Uh, We'll be back next week. I hope you're really enjoying this series and and are finding it as impactful as we are getting to chat to these amazing people. See you next week.